Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. What we're dealing with here is a total lack of respect for the law. You're listening to Done By Law, brought to you by the Federation of Community Legal Centres. Good evening and welcome to Done By Law on 3CR 855 AM, 3cr.org.au and 3CR Digital. It's just on 6.01 and you're here with Beth and Ingrid broadcasting live from the 3CR studio. We'd like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners, custodians of the lands on which we are broadcasting and recording. Where we are, that is the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and to pay our respects to their elders, past and present. Tonight we look at the strengths and weaknesses of the Victorian Public Health and Wellbeing Amendment Pandemic Management Bill of 2021. After being introduced into Parliament on the 26th of October, the new laws proposed by this bill have led to recent Melbourne protests and some extreme rhetoric, including threats of harm to sitting members of Parliament associated with right-wing extremists. Members of the legal community have produced a more nuanced analysis of both the benefits of the bill and also how it can be improved. The bill's passage into law was frustrated last week and the government passed a motion to postpone debate so that further negotiations can take place. The government has said that it must pass new legislation before the 15th of December when the current state of emergency expires. Tonight, we're lucky to be joined by Gregory Buchorn from Liberty Victoria, who will talk us through the bill. Liberty Victoria is a peak civil liberties organisation in Australia and has been working to defend and extend human rights and freedoms in Victoria since 1936. Its members include lawyers, policy and advocacy experts, business people, academics, community activists and students. Welcome, Greg. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And apologies, I just wanted to check the pronunciation of your surname. Oh, uh, Buckhorn, but uh, is fine. <laughs> Thank you. No, no, on is great. <laughs> um, look, Greg, to start with, could you give us a background to the introduction of this bill? Um, what laws have the government been using to govern during the COVID-19 pandemic? And why is the government saying that they urgently need to pass new laws now? Yeah, so I think um, it's helpful just to get, a, a, I suppose, a little bit of history. And um, I, I think where that really starts is... Uh, with the, the Public Health and Wellbeing Act, which the, the bill that you've mentioned um, seeks to amend. Um, now, the, the bill, uh, sorry, the act uh, that we're talking about is the, the law which um, gives the Chief Health Officer, the CHO, um, the power to make directions which impose um, restrictions on our day-to-day lives. And specifically, we're looking at Part 10 of, of that Act, which um, is the part which gives the CHO um, emergency powers. Now, um, under, the, under the Act, um, emergency powers can... Uh, well, 
they're only really available to the CHO uh, when the health minister uh, makes a state of emergency declaration. Um, now, now, the issue really with the, the urgency of this bill is that declarations are time limited, um, at least in Victoria. Um, if, we, if I digress for a moment and um, talk about other jurisdictions in Australia, um, there are sort of time limits that apply to declarations, but there's no limit on how many uh, ex extensions um, those jurisdictions can uh, make for those declarations. So it's a point of difference in Victoria. Now, uh, when we first uh, started with COVID-19 pandemic in Australia back in March of 2020, um, the law as it then was um, allowed for a state of emergency declaration to be made for uh, up to six months. Um, now, that law was changed specifically to deal with um, the COVID-19 pandemic um, so that a declaration could last up to 21 months. Um, and so that's what brings us to, um, as you mentioned before, uh, the 16th of December deadline um, that the government is talking about. Um, so in effect, um, if the government can't pass this bill, um, it, it, well, there's really two readings of the law. Um, one is that, that the health minister um, could make a fresh declaration, um, but I suppose that reading of the law um, is questionable. Um, on the other reading, and I think this is the, the view that the government seems to accept, is that uh, once the 21 months is up, um, the health minister will lose the ability to uh, extend the declaration of the state of emergency. And effectively, that would mean that Victoria is left without um, any powers um, to manage the pandemic. So it would be the only state in Australia um, where uh, laws uh, cannot be enforced, um, for example, um, to require people to wear masks or um, you know, check in at the supermarket or um, to isolate if they do contract um, the disease. So I suppose that's really a brief history and an explanation as to the urgency surrounding the bill. We might just have lost Greg there. I don't know. Greg, can you hear us at all? Yes, I can hear you now. <laughs> Excellent. No stress. Um, now, did you hear that question? We were just asking um, what Liberty Victoria's view was on the existing laws in Part 10 of the Public Health and Wellbeing Act, uh, the one you just mentioned. Um, were yep. there issues that needed fixing in, in that act? Yeah, I think um, broadly Liberty Victoria's view is that um, the, the existing laws uh, really aren't fit for purpose. Um, now, when we're talking about emergency powers, um, I think what they originally had in mind was um, short-term crises. Um, so things that weren't going to last beyond maybe a couple of weeks or months. You know, we, we might be thinking here um, uh, you know, bushfires or floods or things like that. So um, really... Uh, the Part 10 of the Public Health and Wellbeing Act is, is a blunt instrument um, which wasn't really designed to deal with the long-term dangers to public health that a pandemic like um, brought on by the COVID-19 disease has brought. Um, so, so fundamentally, we have really three issues with, um, with the current law. So the first is around accountability. Um, so at the moment, it's the Chief Health Officer who makes um, the pandemic orders but the Chief Health Officer is not an elected official um, and there really isn't much to the law about um, uh, who the, the Chief Health Officer um, or 
it may be those enforcing the directions um, are responsible too and how you can go about challenging decisions if uh, you feel that um, you've been unjustifiably affected. Um, the second is really around transparency. Um, so to date, um, we really haven't seen much of the data or advice which justifies the restrictions. Um, and to use, I think, a, a, a notable example, um, we've had curfews that uh, we were all living under for a, a number of months. Um, the, the commentariat was saying that the, the, the curfews were not effective in um, uh, managing public health, um, yet we were living under a curfew. Um, so th there wasn't any um, requirement for that advice to be published. Um, and so that, I think, is a, a second issue around transparency of decision-making. And then I think, thirdly, from a, a human rights perspective, um, there, there really wasn't an emphasis um, in the law on uh, human rights being a central feature of any decisions that are made. Um, so I think we can all really agree we've just come out of a pretty lengthy lockdown and I think lockdown number six um, and those lockdowns involved um, significant restrictions on our day-to-day -day lives. So our ability to move to and from our homes, ability to see friends and family and to gather and associate. So really that's our third concern is, is around human rights being central to any decision making um, and there I think that uh, I guess that's the, the flavour of our concerns with the law as it stands at the moment. And Greg, what are some of the improvements to transparency and accountability contained within the proposed new laws? Yeah, so I think um, broadly speaking, um, Liberty Victoria is of the view that the, the bill is an improvement on the, the current state of the law. I mean, assuming the bill um, can get passed. Um, when, we're, when we're talking about accountability, um, I think some of the, the main improvements, and this I think is, has garnered a bit of media attention, but the, the first is that um, the, there's a change from the health minister making a declaration of a state of emergency and giving that power to the Premier. Now, um, one might... Well, I think there's been some suggestion that this is a power grab, but I think from our perspective... Um, what it's doing is moving responsibility for um, a very significant decision um, from, uh, I suppose, an ordinary member of Cabinet, the Health Minister, um, to the highest level of government of the day, the Premier. Um, so it's it really, that's the highest level of accountability. Um, and if there is an issue, then it's the highest level of government um, who has to be responsible for that um, considerable decision. So I guess that's, for us, uh, the first improvement in accountability. Um, and the second is, once a declaration is made, that's what gives the Chief Health Officer the uh, power to make pandemic orders. Um, that'll change and it, the power will move to the Health Minister. So in this sense, it's, it's moving the power to make orders to uh, which restrict our day-to-day -day lives from an unelected bureaucrat um, to an elected official. So in both cases, um, with the Premier and the Health Officer, um, we have elected officials who are making um, these significant decisions. And at the end of the day, if the public's dissatisfied with those decisions, um, then they can vote with their feet um, at the ballot box. So I guess that's... Uh, I think, an improvement that the bill would introduce um, 
we we don't see it as a as a power grab. I think we see it as a as a an improvement on the the um the way in which declarations and orders can be made. And I suppose that the second aspect to this is um, the current law uh, around making a declaration is only that uh, the minister considers the advice of the the CHO and the Emergency Management Commissioner. Um, and in the new bill that would come in, um, there are more tests that the Premier needs to be satisfied of before they can do that. So again, that's another level of accountability um, and I, I suppose restrictions on the powers that the Premier and Health, of, the health Minister would have. Um, and then in terms of, uh, I think, the second aspect of your question, which was around um, uh, transparency of decision-making, uh, well, the Bill introduces uh, a number of uh, reporting obligations um, on the health minister and um, I suppose his delegates, so the Department of Health and authorised officers, so those who are going out and enforcing um, the, these pandemic orders. Um, there are time limits in which these reports have to be published. And so they have to be published um, on a dedicated website. Um, they have to be tabled in parliament within, uh, I think it's, uh, five or six days. I might have that wrong, so excuse me if I do, but it's within a number of days. Um, and importantly, I think from a human rights perspective, um, those reports must include um, publication of uh, how the, the minister has considered human rights um, and their justification for any limitation on those rights. So uh, in effect, it's, it's, it's a statement of reasons. Uh, if they're saying that we're going to introduce restrictions on your freedoms or your rights, um, then this will be the reason why the government thinks that's necessary. And, and we don't have that at the moment. So I think that's a, a, a fundamental improvement that the bill would bring in. Um, some of the other improvements in a, a relation to um, transparency includes uh, the ability of the Scrutiny of Acts and Regulation Committee, or SARC, um, to review pandemic orders. Um, so they would be given the information, uh, the advice that the health minister is relying on uh, when making these orders. And ultimately, at the end of that review process, um, they can prepare a report for Parliament. Um, and in that report, they can make a recommendation um, if, they're, uh, if, if they're not satisfied with the orders um, to, for, for the orders to be disallowed. So it could be cancelled by Parliament. Um, I suppose that's one area where there could be some improvement, but I think the fact that uh, there will be that mechanism if, it, if the bill's introduced, um, I think is, is an improvement on the, on the present laws. Thanks so much, Greg, and, and apologies, my daughter's just also commenting <laughs> on the, uh, the new laws. Um, <laughs> you just mentioned, uh, you know, obviously there, there might be some improvements to the psych review process. Did you want to talk us through... Um, what improvements um, there could be to these new laws, so how they might remain a bit contentious and how they could be better? Uh, yeah, I think um, I, I, I might... Before I touch on SARC, I think one thing that I, I, I'd really like to emphasise in terms of what Liberty would like to see is sort of comes back to what I said about um, human rights being central to decision-making. Um, now, what, what the bill uh, presently... Um, is suggesting is that human rights would become um, a feature of decision-making under 
the new part of the Public Health and Wellbeing Act. Um, but what Liberty Victoria would like to see is that human rights become central to all decision-making under that Public Health and Wellbeing Act. So we're not just talking about the new part, we're talking about the existing part um, and, and other parts which might have um, an impact on human rights as well. Um, because at, at the end of the day, with this new law, if it were to pass, um, uh, if the threshold to make a, a, declara a pandemic declaration isn't met because, for example, um, there is no pandemic disease, um, the government could, uh, you know, in theory, uh, make another declaration for a state of emergency. Um, and if, if the bill uh, doesn't provide for protection of human rights across the board, uh, well, then we're, we're really just left with the same, I think, unsatisfactory uh, state of the law where human rights aren't central. So I think that's uh, a key improvement that we would like to see um, not just in the part that's being introduced, but across the board. Um, but some of the other improvements, I think, around uh, transparency and accountability. Um, so I mentioned SARC before. Um, now, what uh, SARC would be able to do, and there have been some amendments to the bill that have, um, have been put forward as well, um, but it would enable SARC to review a pandemic order and they can make a report to Parliament um, for disallowance. Now, I suppose there's some uncertainty around uh, if a minority report um, suggests or recommends a, a disallowance, um, whether that allows um, Parliament to debate the disallowance motion. Um, so we would like to see that really clear, that it, it doesn't need to be a majority of SARC because, um, as it stands, um, the majority of SARC is government-controlled. So if the crossbenchers and oppositions believe that uh, the, a pandemic order is um, a breach of human rights, for example, and that's one of the bases on which the disallowance can be moved, um, then it, if the government disagrees, then Parliament um, arguably may not have the power to disallow that order. So that's something we would like to see change. Um, the bill also, uh, whilst it allows for the, this disallowance of orders, um, the disallowance can only take place if both Houses of Parliament um, agree. Um, and clearly, um, the government of the day will control one House of Parliament, uh, maybe not the upper house, but certainly the lower house. So um, it, it then becomes a, a, a bit of a, a, a blockade um, if the government is set on keeping these uh, orders in place. Um, effectively, it's not really a, uh, an accountability measure. So what we would like to see changed is it move from uh, both Houses of Parliament disallowing the order to one House of Parliament disallowing the order. Um, and I think a really uh, key change that we would like to see as well is presently, and particularly in relation to detention, um, there are only very limited ways in which a person can seek for um, that detention to be reviewed. Um, uh, you know, if, for example, you're forced into isolation or quarantine. Um, now, the, the current law and the bill will, in effect, replicate this, um, provides for what's called a detention review officer, um, and that person can review the detention. Um, but, in, in effect, the, the process of, is a bit circular. You start with an order from the chief, chief health officer. 
it may be reviewed by a detention review officer, but the final call is made by the chief health officer. So for us, that lacks the necessary independence and impartiality um, that a, an effective uh, uh, review process should entail. Um, so what we would like to see is for there to be an external review process available, um, particularly in relation to detention um, orders, but um, any kind of order that has a significant impact on human rights. You know, you know for example, if you're locked out of the state um, and you, you need to come back to look after family, um, th there should be a mechanism uh, outside of uh, sending a letter or contacting the department um, for you to have that kind of a decision challenged. And um, we think that a body like VCAT might be an appropriate forum for that. So they're just some of the ideas that um, we think that uh, could be improved. Um, if listeners are interested, uh, Liberty Victoria's put a, a, a comment out and uh, we set out what we think um, the improvements to the bill could be. And so I've only touched on a couple, but if they're interested in reading some of the other ones, then they can certainly do that on our website. Thank you, Greg. And I'd really encourage our listeners to read that comment, which is very nuanced and informative um, and provides a really good basis for consideration of, of the nuance of some of these issues. Um, Greg, we're going to play a track now and we're going to come back to discuss some of these issues in more detail. Um, we've chosen Anna Smirk's Human Condition. Good evening and welcome back to Done By Law on 3CR 855am, 3cr.org.au and 3CR Digital. It's now 6.24pm and you're here with um, Ingrid and Beth and we're talking to Greg Buckhorn um, about the strengths and weaknesses of the Victorian Public Health and Wellbeing Amendment Pandemic Management Bill 2021. We just had a track that was Anna Smirk, Human Condition. Um, and Greg, we have a few more questions for you um, on this very interesting and vital topic for Victorians. Yes, fire away. Thanks, Greg. And we just wanted to ask to start with, I know um, there were some amendments negotiated last week following initial negotiations between the government and the crossbench. Just for our listeners, could you just give us a quick overview of what's changed really recently with the bill? Uh, yeah, so um, I, 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 I suppose um, reading the amendments um, that are published is a bit sort of harsh. Uh, you, you sort of need to be comparing things. But some, some of the key changes that have been made, um, I think, um, improve the... the I think protection of human rights in particular. Um, so, so the first, uh, I guess, theme of changes um, is that the amendments seek to clarify that um, pandemic orders uh, that are made, uh, both the uh, decisions to uh, make a, a, an order, um, but also um, the, the actions that might be taken um, underneath an order um, are subject to the Charter. So... Um, public uh, public authority under the Charter, as it's defined, um, must act compatibly with human rights when um, taking an action um, and when making a decision, must make that decision compatibly with human rights. Um, now, they're, they're, those rights can be limited um, if uh, certain criteria are met, um, but uh, fundamentally the starting position is um, that the, uh, the public authority has to... Um, 
do things compatibly with human rights. So the, the bill, um, the amendments to the bill uh, clarify that that's in fact the case. So um, the, the Health Minister, um, the, the Premier, uh, the uh, authorised officers, um, the Chief Health Officer, um, all of those bodies um, are public authorities when exercising functions under the um, Public Health and Wellbeing Act. So that, that's really, I, I suppose, the, the first theme of change. Um, there's a few provisions um, of the, the bill that are changed really to, to affect that, but um, that's sort of the, the, the broad um, uh, theme. Uh, another important theme is that, um, as I mentioned before, uh, the, the bill um, will introduce uh, tests for uh, the Premier and the Health Minister um, when um, uh, deciding whether to uh, make or extend um, a pandemic declaration in the, the case of a the Premier or a pandemic order in the case of the Health Minister. And uh, they, they, there seems to be strengthening of the test by requiring that um, the, the responsible minister needs to be satisfied on reasonable grounds, though, so that end quote, um, that uh, the declaration or the order is necessary uh, for the uh, protection of public health. So, it, it, again, it, it's strengthening that accountability measure um, by ensuring that the, it, the Premier or the Minister, their state of satisfaction has to be on reasonable grounds. Um, and uh, another key change, uh, which I think has been quite contentious, has been around um, uh, the, the bill as it was originally drafted contained a provision um, which said that the... Um, in effect, uh, discrimination uh, against a person on the basis of an attribute as defined under the Equal Opportunity Act um, was possible. Um, now, the, the government uh, effectively removed that provision um, and has clarified that uh, a pandemic order may uh, differentiate between persons or classes of persons, uh, for example, on the basis of their vaccination status or if they're of a particular age, um, an order uh, can uh, uh, differentiate between people um, so that it may be that certain classes are restricted from doing certain things or other classes of people are provided with additional levels of protection. So um, that's what the, uh, the bill change uh, is doing um, and to remove any uh, uncertainty about how that provision operates. Um, another, I think, a key improvement is um, the reduction in penalties. Um, so fines that can, I think, we've, we've seen in the media and um, those who've been following the news would know that they can be um, quite significant, thousands of dollars. Um, the, the bill initially had uh, the maximum fines at very high levels in the tens of thousands of dollars um, and the government's revised that um, and effectively halved the maximum. So that's, that's I think, an improvement. Um, of course, uh, there's been no change to the ability to imprison a person, as uh, that's what the, the bill would introduce, um, under a new aggravated offence um, for breaching um, pandemic orders. Um, Liberty Victoria is of the view that there should not be an aggravated offence. Um, the response to a pandemic should be um, health-based. Um, and uh, I think we've seen uh, uh, 
over time, uh, the issues that if there's a, a particular focus on policing to enforce restrictions, um, that that creates issues. Um, so in our view, uh, any response should be should have public health um, as a priority. Um, and in doing so, it, it, it just seems unnecessary for there to be um, any ability to send somebody to jail uh, for breaching a pandemic order. Thanks. So I think there, there's some of the changes that the, the recent amendments are, are making to the bill, um, but I guess the conversation continues at the moment, so there may be uh, hopefully further improvements in Liberty's view. Excellent. Thanks so much, Greg. And I note that you um, said that people who are interested to read Liberty Victoria's current comment in full can head to your website. We've also put that up on our social media pages for people to refer to. And I'm sure, again, that things will um, change and I'm sure any updates to Liberty's position or additional suggestions um, will also be on your website. Is that Would that be right? Yeah, so um, Liberty's uh, still uh, got its uh, ear to the ground. Um, we're continuing to uh, engage with um, uh, members of parliament as best we can to communicate our views um, on social media and through uh, media releases. So, uh, yeah, if listeners head to our website, um, they can keep up to, to date with, um, I suppose, the work that we're doing in this space. Great. Thanks so much, Greg. You've been listening to Done By Law on 3CR 855 AM, 3cr.org.au and 3CR Digital. We've been speaking with Gregory Buckhorn from Liberty Victoria about the current state of Victoria's pandemic bill. Stay tuned for Voices of West Papua coming up next. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.